the boner police are here, I demand a lawyer. When it's time to party, we will party hard. again to another edition of the Gwintelligence Podcast. I'm Padres Jagoff, and in a delightful treat, it's another podcast with no Marver. Uh, after repeated attempts to get him on the podcast, uh, I just went looking elsewhere, and I think we've we've come to a real upgrade today with, uh, I, I don't know, former blogger, blogger, uh, Padres public superstar, woe doctor, Brian. I was, I, I was gonna say, you know, um, kind of advantageous, um, Used to just be like advantageous seeker of opportunity. So yeah, if Marver's not going to be on here, I'm here. Yeah, that's I fine. live down the street. So yeah, and you got beer. Yeah, I got beer. Yeah, beer works. So today was a, a pretty momentous day in Padres history, where we all got to kind of take a look back at our our history. Um, and we joke a lot that the Padres don't have any real history, but but they do, you know. And I think today. Um, you know, Kevin Towers passed away, longtime general manager, and the day was filled with retrospectives and um, sports radio having two football players not talking about it. And <laughs> but but to me, it was a, it, I really spent a lot of time going back and looking at what Kevin Towers did and meant to this team. And I, I wanted to bring you on the podcast because you, I think, had a better look towards the end of his tenure at how he was doing, what he was doing, and kind of how the fans reacted. Like, I was off in D.C., and I, I was watching from afar and whatever, but I think you had a lot better look at it. And when you hear today, you know, some things are to be expected, right? Yeah. Like, if you're famous and in sports, and you're nice to the media, and you have drinks with them, and you know their names, they're going to love you, yeah. right? And they, they did love him. As you know? for any profession. Yeah. yeah. And that's one that's one part of the equation, right? He's a good human. People like him. And that's pretty undebatable. Yeah. But I thought the more interesting thing was today there was universal good memories of what he did. And I don't re- necessarily remember that contemporaneously. No. So the, the thing I remember is this is around the time that I, I started reading a whole bunch more about... Um, I mean, like money balls in the in the rearview mirror, but to be a lot more of the analytical side of things. And Kevin Towers was seen even then as kind of a dinosaur. So this this was you know the Morris divorce was about to happen. The things were not going so well with the Padres in general, as far as uh, you know this is post two thousand seven, and things kind of hit the downhill right immediately after that. And Kevin Towers was the one to blame, um, as you would the the general manager is the one that's on the radio. He's on TV. He gets blamed for all the trades, all the acquisitions. Um, drafts especially, um, which is really funny because at the same time, they have guys like Alderson, they have Di Podesta, um, Fuson's there, and it just seemed like everything gravitated towards Towers. And I remember, online anyway, um, everybody, including myself, grousing about him just because he was the he was the holdover. He was the one that, um, you know, just couldn't adjust everything. And that's why they're bringing in all these people. Um, and so, yeah, that I, I don't remember having a lot of fond feelings for him then, but definitely hearing or reading everything today online it just seems like a completely different perspective of them and i don't i don't disagree with the perspective yeah. now that I'm, I'm really digging into it but i remember i went to costa rica on vacation like before there was wi-fi everywhere like where there was no internet 
That was a good humble brag, by the way. It was a good one. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I remember getting off the plane back to the U.S., turning my phone on, and then checking my my blogs, checking mm-hmm. probably Gaslamp Ball. Yeah, yeah. And then checking the comments section, and it was like, whoa, Kevin Towers got fired. Yeah. And um, I remember reading people jubilant, and you know, I didn't disagree or yeah. not disagree really. I guess I was kind of out of it a little bit, but <laughs> I, I it was kind of like when Bochi left, like right, or yeah, yeah, he left. I don't think people were sad, really. And, and I think it was that more, might be because we're fickle fans. And... I think it might just be more the perspective of everything up, up to that point. I mean, I, I think you pointed out today, it's the, the golden years, or not the golden years, but I think we underrate 2004 to 2007. Golden years. They're golden golden years. years. Let's just say golden years. Uh, but 2004 to 2007 were incredibly fruitful for Padres fans, you know, considering our history. Um, and then the way it ended in 2007 and then when you have 2008 2009 i think just a combination of all those things you you just want to blame somebody and so yeah it was it was really kind of like when when bochi couldn't get anything done you have two straight sweeps you think that you can get yourself over the hump with that one addition um which is you know looking back really ridiculous um, (laughs) considering especially what happened um and then again in 2010 um but yeah, I just think that was more, it was a culmination of all those things, just a whole bunch of failure, and you figure, well, he's led us this far, and this is you know, it's more than a decade in the making, and it's just not doing it anymore. Um, and at that point, too, you know, you started seeing the, the kind of the chinks in the armor, you started seeing um, the drafts weren't as fruitful, um, the guys that were coming through, I remember at the time, it was Kuzminoff, um, Kuzminoff and Headley. And so you had, I, I can't remember, it was, it was Black Sky, right? Black Sky was Kuzminoff. Yeah. And so, I mean, and you have a general manager who wasn't really pushing one way or the other. I mean, he was shoving him into left field. And so you kind of think maybe you need someone else to, to make adjustments here. And then, I mean, for me anyway, I kind of thought, you know, um, if you're going to be penny pinching, you don't have a lot of money. It would be, you, you want someone else that's not doing things old school. So you want new blood in there to kind of, to kind of make do with what little resources you have. And I didn't, I just didn't think that Towers was that guy. So I, I wouldn't say that I was, I was jubilant that he left, although I'm sure if somebody searches the, the silent San Diego forums, <laughs> they could prove me otherwise. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I was jubilant, but I was ready for a new change. That's, that's kind of how I felt when he left. Yeah. You know, he'd been here a long time. Like yeah, at that yeah. point he'd been here, uh, what, like 14 years or so, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, it'd be like 14 and change, huh? Yeah, so I mean, he was here a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget that he also oversaw, what, 80% of our playoff appearances during that time. It's really but, sad. <laughs> yeah, you know, four years out of 14 is not necessarily terrible for no for that. And personally, I count oh, 2007 man. as a, I count it as a playoff appearance. Game that's one extra game, but, that, that works. I mean, uh, that's the playoffs now, right? That's a wild card. So, oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's I, really I go sad back, to think of that. <laughs> I, I go back and I wasn't I was kind of a fan. Like I remember leaving work early for two thousand five to make the playoffs. Yeah. And because I wasn't sure if I would ever see a playoff game. I remember thinking I, I oh, may yeah. never see a playoff game again <laughs> after this series. Like you never know. And I remember that was kind of when I started really falling back in love with the Padres is during that season. Yeah. And so I have fond memories of those years. And I think a lot yeah. of people, you know, on the radio today, when there are retrospectives on towers, it's all talk about the architect of the '98 team, yeah, yeah. which is obviously, you know, a good accomplish, great accomplishment, yeah. Gra- incredible. We can talk about it in a little bit, but incredible roster building by yeah. towers. But 
to me, Especially his most job. impressive job was 2004 to 2007. Yeah. Because 2003, they were really bad. Like that period between, two, I don't know, 99 to 2003, yeah. that's full on rebuilding. We, we, t- we talk about the tank. 2003 was the tank. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm... And I mean, like we we talked about this earlier, but uh, and it's it's basically what you asked Preller to do in 2015. He did that between 2003 and 2004. And I mean, you could say it was with a, a considerable payroll increase, but he improved that team without dismantling anything for the most part, and that's kind of impressive. I mean, especially given the the limited resources. Um, the the biggest I, I just remember that that the. the most exciting thing that he was doing during that time is he was trading, and we'd also joke about this online, but it would be he was the sludge merchant, he was he was the dumpster diver, and he somehow managed all this time, and we take it for granted now because it's Petco Park, but or it was Petco Park before they, they adjusted the dimensions, but he he could basically throw anybody out there and they became a bullpen ace. And that's that's kind of crazy to me, but he did that for years. And it was kind of his specialty. So, I mean, yeah, he, he basically solidified a, I wouldn't say a mediocre team, but he solidified their place in contention for years with not a lot of resources. And that's insane to me. Well, if he, This isn't like the Lakino push to get a new stadium. This is, I mean, like the stadium had opened, he'd gotten his payroll and now it's kind of, you know, like in flux and, you know, like the Morris divorce is about to happen. And he managed to put some good teams together for basically the first three or four years that that's open yes that's that's bringing fans in if you think about it 2003 it's not really that different than padres 2018 no in that 2002 you know the the common belief is the padres sucked at all minor anything minor league draft development but in 2002 they had seven of the top 100 no for baseball america yeah i i think that one of the more interesting things that as far as like we're talking about their ranking, but I would I would say the one thing I do remember harping on, um, as far as like how how Towers built his minor league system, I remember reading and I can't remember who it was or whoever mentioned this, but it was that when um, Hoyer came in, he had to rebuild their their basically their scouting network because Towers had neglected neglected it might be the wrong word, but that's how it was it was kind of put out there, so that was how. I, when you say that there was the, the sort of reaction to people um, that people took that, you know, Towers is gone, hooray, everything's going to get better. I think part of it was that, too, is that it was framed in a way like, oh, he neglected the scouting network, he neglected this, that, or the other, and now it's all going to be better because he's gone. And really, I, I don't know if that's 100% his fault. I, I At this point, knowing what we do now with Morad and uh, Moore's at the end of his tenure. I just don't know if it was him or it was just resources or Alderson, De Podesta, whatever. Maybe they're depending more on analytics or, or stats or data or something like that. I, I really don't know anymore. So I kind of gave it, I kind of whitewashed all this recently and rethought it in the last couple of years just because I don't really know what happened. Mm-hmm. But I remember the time just being flabbergasted that some guy that, that built up this farm system and then you know, had his PVs and his greens and et cetera come through here, would just completely neglect it. And so I think, yeah, when he left, that was kind of my reaction too. But at the same time, he's he's also building playoff contenders. Yeah. And that's something that we can't really say too often <laughs> in San Diego. Well, that, so. that 2003 team, really 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. 
they're sitting on this pile of prospects, right? This yeah. nationally recognized pile of prospects. You know, obviously fans weren't really keyed in on that kind of stuff back no. then. I think they knew Sean Burroughs was a top prospect. Well, as, as they knew Khalil Green was it Jeff name. Sanders pointed out mm-hmm. that this is our first top 10 since yeah. Sean Burroughs. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's very um, exciting. If, if you don't dig into it too much. Exactly. But, like, they had this window of com- competition in the yeah. on the horizon, right? Because they had to compete when Petco Park was going to open. Yeah. And so Towers had this giant stack of prospects. Um, impact guys, supposedly, yeah. on paper. Like, Dennis Tankersley was supposed to be an ace of the staff, right? You had PV. This is going to irk you forever, isn't <laughs> I it? I know. <laughs> you had PV to be your mid-rotation starter after Tankersley. Oh, you had crazy. Xavier Nady ready to come straight from Berkeley into the majors. Like, these are yeah. those are big-time prospects that they had. You had a shortstop yeah. ready yeah, in yeah. the top 100. That, that's the craziest thing is Khalil Green was a shortstop. Not even him. I'm talking Ramon Vasquez. Oh, Vasquez. Yeah, yeah, too. But, I mean, that's the funny thing is you had not one but two. Yeah. <laughs> so. A top 100 shortstop. Can you imagine <laughs> that? And. No. And so as Padres fans, you're sitting here and Towers, you know, it, it's interesting to me because I think that the Padres then were in the same position the Padres are in now. Yeah. And the GMs, the two different GMs, AJ and Towers, took distinctly yeah. different methods to compete in that dictated yeah. um, time of contention, window of contention. And you start looking at 2004's roster and it's amazing what what Towers was able to do. Yeah. You know, he did trade, he did, he made one... Pr- trade that like I, I guess you could compare it to what some people wanted from christian yellick where you trade prospects and you get a proven out yeah yeah you know, that traded oliver perez and jason yeah, bay yeah. um neither it's not like they were top 100 prospects at the time but like you had you, had you know some perez proven, had played already yeah, and, and you had and was, some proven major league skill from both of them yeah too, for so. sure i mean like as limited as it might be but yeah but I mean, turn those into crazy. you know He's it's forgotten, and he was hated at the time for not hitting enough home runs. But like he put up like six and five WAR seasons for the oh, team. Yeah. Um, like I'm looking here at the roster. Like he picked up Mark Loretta for, yeah. for for almost nothing. I think. Like I'll have to go back and find the trade, but he didn't give up very much for that. And no. Loretta had one of the finest offensive seasons in team. L- Loretta's Loretta alone. I mean, you you've known this since you've been to my house, but my parents named my. Their their beagle Loretta, just because they loved Mark Loretta so much. Yeah. it's just it's one of those things where he he acquired somebody that became a household name. And granted, as, as Padres fans, you have to like kind of like parse that by going like qualified. It's the Padres. So I mean, like I'm a huge Randy Reddy fan, and um, <laughs> he's not exactly a world beater. I sent, so. off, I, he's, I sent a baseball card to him as a kid. He signed it. He's a he probably well, book, he probably nice sent it to my my parents' house because he he was their um, renter. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Um, here in Cardiff. He's a free agent. I was wrong. They didn't trade for him. But, uh, but the, you can, that also oh, tells that, you he's Astros, right? Is that before? Uh, it sounds right. I say he like found him from nothing from the Astros. And that's the thing. If the Padres signed him as a free agent, you know he didn't it's, it's cost nothing. very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Like That's a good way of Towers, <laughs> Towers put this team together. You know, a, a rotation backed by David Wells in two thousand four, right? And he was the he was the big Ishmael Valdez, yeah, and, like scrap heap guys, huh. you know. And I mean, I, I flew down for that game for the opening game at Petco, yeah, and it was a big deal because that was the David Wells. David Wells returned to, to San Diego, yeah, yeah. I mean, I flew down on a plane full of Giants fans, and I like everyone was talking about that. 
was that it was David Wells pitching for the Padres, and how did they get David Wells? I still remember that. It was like an hour of my seatmates just kind of asking how the Padres managed that. I'm like, I, I don't know. It's the Padres, man. I, I don't understand anything they do. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, do you think this is a, a valid team construction method anymore? Hmm. I mean, like you I mean, look, you this, look at you not... look at the market right now, right? There's a bunch yeah. of guys that might sign one year, two year contracts. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you can assemble a scrap heap competitive team with like I, a I small like... core of, of young, you know, homegrown players like the Padres had? Well, then? and the thing the thing that's crazy about it, it's not it's not like they had one year players that they they put to this like massive core of of youth that had been proven. There's a lot of unproven guys. And that's the craziest part to me is that yes, you could you strategically you could add a bunch of guys through free agency on like that big contract. So you get guys like um, Lester with the Cubs or, or Hayward with the Cubs or something like that. And obviously that's a bad example because it's a, a major market, but you get these major contract guys that they add at the last minute. And I feel that's more how you look at it these mm-hmm. days, but this isn't a proven youthful roster. This was a team that won 64 games the previous year and he built a playoff contender. The next one and one that was like on the brink of the playoffs for four consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. And it was a bunch of unproven guys who, you know, not, not good, not great. But also, I mean, they, they had a lot of promise that they were unproven. And I feel like this is, this is kind of getting back to what, what the Padres are doing now. Is you're basing this off of single A and double A stats for guys like Urias and, and Tatis or whatever. And they want to push towards oh like we're rebuilding towards these particular years in 2019 and 2020 he said like tower said oh no no, no this is happening this next year right and, and had to enjoy it, it, has, open, it has to happen you know? yeah stadium's open we're now going to do it and he made moves right like that and i don't think that is a viable strategy i think well first off i think i mean especially with the astros i think they've just kind of changed the narrative the narrative is like oh look we, we can tank for so long or we can be bad for so long but at this point we have we have to, you know, hit the gas and start going, and so they trade for big guys and they they acquire major people and they they deal off their prospects. He didn't really do that. He made one year deals and basically did that for a few years. Yeah, that's crazy. Like Jay big... Payton is the center fielder. Exactly, one, one year contract. Exactly, and like the the other big thing is like remember Giles? Giles was like with that three year contract. Yeah, the three year contract. So so in two thousand four, he was yeah. on his last year. Wasn't exactly. He? Yeah, was it either that or five? I can't remember, but I mean the the. The basic understanding was that he was acquired in 2003, end of the year, so they can make a push for 2004. Right. And that made sense because, well, they told us they would. And so that's the big difference is that I feel like there was a deadline from when they opened the stadium. They're like, oh, hell yeah, it's it's on now. We have to do something. I don't think you can do that anymore. I, I, I also think that, I mean, we always talk about how Giles is underappreciated as a player, not as a human because he's garbage. He's a yeah, but, um, human trash. But... Yeah, he's human. Yeah, just just a garbage fire <laughs> but um but you know he was one of those players that was underappreciated and we i remember everybody just bashing a three-year contract like what was it three-year 33 33 or 35 it's under 35 i think yeah maybe maybe it's 30 i don't, I don't know but it was like under 40 million dollars and that's insane to me he was really good and that's not a waste of money and that was somehow like the the end of the, the world so I, I just, I'm not all that unhappy that I wasn't here at the time because <laughs> I think it would drive me crazy. And this even, is, even this today, is when I got back into baseball, which, is, which <laughs> makes sense why I'm so unhappy. I as mean, a human. even today, like <laughs> I, I got like responses that were like, um, 
I asked, like, it was, it was 2004 to 2007 yeah. incredibly underrated by fans. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I get responses that are like, well, it's not very exciting watching an 82 and 80 team make the playoffs. I mean, like, that, and I'm that's like, how I responded I mean, to it, too. I guess, but, at the, like, at the time yeah. or now? Because well, I, I now at I'm like... At the time, it was more of, like, I had an expectation level, and they failed to... But they made the playoffs. Yeah. Like, what, what do you want? So, I mean, so, to me, it's like... Well, well, the funny thing I grew is, up as a kid and had yeah. long droughts of no playoffs. Like, um, well, and the other funny thing too is I, I remember grousing about it then, and, and actually, probably up until a couple of years ago, and I would say, "Yeah, this is not good." They snuck into the playoffs. They had like barely a 500 record, and then I think like 2006, the Cardinals went and won the World Series, doing the same thing. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's not you can't really complain about that. It's it's one of those things where that team is still more competitive than how many other Padres teams? It's like Yes. This, this, I, mean, I root for the Padres and the Rays, and those are the two worst teams <laughs> by win percentage of the current 30 major league teams. I don't know how to pick baseball teams. <laughs> but the crazy thing to me is that I, I would ever complain about that. It, it, it's just, to me, it makes To be no fair, sense. at the time, there was never that long of a drought between playoffs. Playoff, yeah. I mean, there was a long drought from 84 to, to 90. 96 or whatever but there were also periods of good teams between yeah. then and now now we're at this ultimate drought of 2006 oh, yeah. until 2017 with mostly garbage <laughs> in between and um, all, all so garbage you know we have a different perspective now yeah. than we did in 2005 and I thought oh, I thought Towers always got blamed at the time for yeah. you know hey we're 82 and 80 but like uh, we need to got we got to pick someone up at the trade deadline Right, we gotta boost our yeah. team's chances, I, maybe and then that was he wouldn't do anything, and we yeah. would blame Towers and be like, "Why is Towers just sitting there?" He, Joe Randa, like he's not gonna take us. To the, what what to year the... was what year was Nevin and Griffey? Uh, I don't know, but Nevin was eventually traded in two thousand five. So the playoff season, yeah, it was playoff season. Uh, that was for Chan Ho Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was the so, same year. So all yeah, the Ponson and Griffey thing was probably that, before that was then. A, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying though. It's like I feel and, that... and that's the Randa year too, where he oh, traded for Randa. Randa. So those were our those were our big uh, acquisitions, right? Yeah. And I feel like everyone blamed him for that. And yeah. We're like I, I'm sure someone me, was me included. I remember or someone. But... I remember thinking that. I mean, I don't think I ever blamed. I, I, I probably did blame Nevin, but I didn't. I didn't blame anyone else for that. I mean, the fact that Towers go out and, and look for that, I always blame the player. Which, mm-hmm. again, looking back, it's really but, stupid. Back then, we did blame the player, though. Oh yeah, that's why I, we blame Giles. That's why Giles got blamed. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, like I, I, I'm definitely guilty of that. But I, I, looking back now, that's kind of silly. And the fact that he would go out and try to make that impact trade, and it didn't go through, it, it kind of leads back to what we were originally saying is that he really did not have the resources to go back and do that. Which yeah, like kind of crazy. Somehow Moore skated by the whole time. As as nice guy Moore's that I, don't don't get me wrong, Moore's Moore's contributed a lot to the city. That's the, the narrative you hear that he did a lot of good up to the you can say the same thing too, but like you can be a good philanthropist and not be a good owner. We can say the same thing leading up through, you know, the divorce, is that he did a lot of good. I mean, I'm not gonna say that he didn't. He he got the stadium. If you're gonna if you're gonna say the towers did that or Lucchino did it or, or a Brown did it, which I like to say that Brown got Brown that did stadium. Do it, yes, Kevin Brown is one hundred percent responsible <laughs> for that stadium. But um, I mean, I, like I feel if you throw that up nine and a half war in a season <laughs> before the you vote, get like, all yes. the credit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's more what it comes down to is that he gets credit for doing this particular thing, and then he dismantled it, and it's basically his fault. Um, he 
all the resources that towers would have as limited as they were gone just absolutely gone so I, like like how much of like there's a lot of blame that went to there there are two yeah, main yeah. things for towers right i, I think that's he, more he of didn't, the problem he didn't, he didn't make everywhere. he didn't make team he didn't make the teams better yeah. when they're in the playoff race I, that's that was a big complaint that i remember which understandable and he he never produced anything well the, the claim is that he never produced anything from drafting development um yeah. international but how much is of that is Morris's fault you know, Matt Bush is not Kevin Towers' fault. No, you know? that's that's I mean, all, like, I, all on Morris' shoulders. I, I've told you this. My brother played against Matt Bush, and like that, the the fact that everyone says like, "Oh, we we didn't know how you'd act." It's like if anyone went to a baseball game against Matt Bush, you knew all the history for his family, everything. And this isn't like to to bash Matt Bush. Like he just he had a rough go of it, and any decent scouting network would have picked that up. But the other thing was like. I, I don't know that they didn't. I think it might have been just they wanted the local guy that cost less. Well, correct me if or I'm wrong, but it. Moore's had a semi-official no Boris clients. Oh policy, yeah, yeah. Well, right? there was that, too, and that was yeah. the year Stephen Drew was a Boris yeah. client, and and, and well, so it went Drew, well beyond yeah. 2004. Like was, there that, are, was that Weaver? Uh, I think Weaver was Boris also. Was, I, I can't remember if he was. Yes, but, it was Weaver, but yeah, it was yeah, the Weaver, Weaver Verlander, etc. Yeah. I can't remember who was Boris clients, but I mean, like I remember. But, but the it wasn't just 2004. Year. This was many years where, where yeah. and, and free agents also. Where that, that Morris was a Morris said thing. He wouldn't work that with was Morris, a Morris right? Thing. Yeah. Um, on top of that, I remember Moore's. Um, he, remember, he would use debt servicing, or the oh, debt ratio, yeah, yeah. as an example, and he would be like. He would he would want to represent the owner the owners and be like you know we're we're managing our debt service over here in San Diego so that's why we can't raise payroll because our debt ratio is going to be too high. This is something well, that well, Fowler's got on. To. Yeah, while every other team was spending yeah. way beyond their debt ratio, yeah, yeah. Moore's had to be the model the model owner, that. and so that's what he used as an excuse to keep our payroll at whatever fifty million dollars or forty yeah. million dollars. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to think back on it, just how. How low it was. Yeah. I mean, and, even, and, even before, you know, everything hit the fan. It's really, really kind of uncanny how much we let him skate for. Right. You know, you don't... And, and, and really, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. Towers. He's a good guy, right? Oh, yeah. I think. I, I mean, he cheated on his wife of 40 years or whatever. But, yeah. you know, beyond that, like, he donated a lot of money. He made the city better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he greatly enriched himself with the Peco Park project, but also made the city better at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I give him credit for stuff like that, but... Uh, Towers took the fall for all of his his failings. I think, I, I think part of it, and I mean, I, it's kind of the the outpouring of ad, admiration for him, and just kind of or adoration, I guess I should say, um, just all the fun KT stories that we've seen. Um, I think part of it's just he was so open with everybody that he was the easy guy to blame because you knew exactly which what he was he was doing. You could go back to a trade and say like, oh well, he did this particular thing. I think it was just he was an easy guy to blame because, honestly, the writing was on the wall. He he didn't leave anything up for interpretation there. He was like, oh, well, this is how I did it. Yeah. And, I mean, f- for example, for his Diamondbacks tenure, he straight up said, like, I, I didn't want this guy because of how we acted. Get rid of him. It's it's just... Well, you kind so of... Ian Kennedy was soft. <laughs> Ian Kennedy was soft. Padres lined up for soft. Trevor Bauer Kennedy. just don't like the way that he yeah. handles it. I mean, Kelly like, Johnson checked his phone in the dugout. Oh, I forgot about that one. But yeah, I mean that's, that's kind of the, the the fun thing about him too. It's 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 a good story, but at the same time, um, it also kind of helped paint the way he was he was he was kind of described later, or or it kind of 
I guess it kind of helped determine the way that we, we see or kind of close the book on him here. Um, yeah, for example, I, I always go searching for his draft history. I never go searching for his trade history because we always joke about how bad of a, a drafter he was in his later years. It's because he had these outdated methods or he didn't do a good job of the scouting networks. He didn't have a great feel of how these players coming in might be. Um, so, well, yeah, this, I, always, I always kind of describe it. This like that. thing, you know, like John Conniff at Mad Friars might yeah. chime in on, but mm-hmm. if, if I recall towards the end of his tenure, the Alderson years and, and yeah. whatnot, so, so by then Towers had, had a pretty clearly established poor record of drafting. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a few glimmers of success, but, but pretty bad. Well, and, that, and so I think that like after a certain point, there was a long dry spell by comparison. Yes, yeah. Was it 2005 would be like the last glimmer of hope? Who's and that's not even five. Is that like... It's like Headley and Venable, right? Yeah, yeah. That's like all those guys. That And then after that, I don't know how... I mean, there's like the Antonellis and everything. Ugh. Yeah. Hey, hey. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, like there's there's that, that one particular, you know, era where he got a lot of value and then there was kind of like... But even there, I started wondering... Yeah. Is it was it really Towers' fault? Because you look at it, but so by then he had you know not the greatest record. Yeah, you've got Alderson who comes in as CEO president. Yeah. You've got I imagine Alderson and Moore's powwowing and being like, hey, uh, yeah. Towers doesn't have a great record drafting, and it's cheaper to have a team with good drafted players. So yeah. like maybe let, figure out a way to fix that, Sandy. And so Sandy hires Grady Fuson in two thousand, the yeah. end of two thousand five, as the scouting director to run all that. And and inserts you know a middle manager between Towers and oh like whatever work managers and yeah, so yeah. so Towers takes the fall because he's overseeing everything but I don't necessarily know that it was his fault for those failures. I mean like, like I, I'll be the first to admit that I was the one that blamed him for it. Um, I remember writing something and I remember I remember this was just my common perspective on this was that it was Kevin Towers was the guy that was holding up everything. He right. was he was the guy that. He had his his people and um, and his both type, type of player. His type wanted, of player, yeah. exactly. And and that coupled with a budget, you could never get. And, and it's so funny that I, I used to think of it as well the the budget coupled with towers, where I should have just been blaming the budget, right? Because you can spend anything you want at that point. So yeah, I, I always I always took it as well. Towers isn't maximizing his value here. When in fact, I should be blaming Moore's for just not having a good budget and good strategy. He's like, well, just make the most of this limited budget because I don't want to spend anymore. Well, there's that. And then, yeah. and then um, you know, they, they hired people to run the draft. Oh, they yeah, took yeah. it off of Towers' plate. Yeah. They, yeah. they gave it to Fusan and they gave it to Gaten, right? Chief Gaten or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and they, and they also, I, I think it, what was it, 2004 was when they, they hired Chris Long, right? Yeah, to and do so like analytics. They, they, yeah, they, so they started doing a lot more of that, and I, I I know that he used to butt heads, or at least like what I've read anyway, is that he he would butt heads with people in in you know like the the war room essentially, and so like I I kind of think that it was just a conflicting bunch of of philosophies, and so I always we always talk about how like oh yeah there's this great you know Boston built this great network of people and they've just branched out. And the the greatest thing you do is have like this this particular person that's really good at their at this particular thing. Just have a vast network of people that are really good at these things, but all have the same philosophy in mind. And I think the Padres did a really bad job of that mm-hmm. during that era. 
and then they tried to remedy that during the Morad era, and now they're really trying to streamline it mm-hmm. with like the baseball ops in mind, and it all centers from one person and kind of expands that way. Before, they had no idea what they were doing. And I, I just kind of think that Towers was in the middle of all this. That, that, that's at least the way I've seen it the last couple of years, just based on how I've seen you know, the baseball ops go, the executives go. And yeah, it just kind of, it kind of sucks. This now I've I looked back at it and just kind of realized ah, this wasn't Towers' fault. At no, all. not at all. And I feel kind of bad because he built like the most memorable parts of Padres baseball. And actually, the reason I follow baseball today. Same with me. Yeah. If it, if it weren't for that era, that was right around the time I was graduating college and when I started playing baseball again, when I started caring about baseball again. And that was, I mean, that's basically Towers. Yeah, it's and Towers was the reason I cared about baseball before. So. And I think that's. You know, 98 was great. It was good. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, that's a big part of my child, my high school years yeah. is remembering going to those games. But like yeah. for me, um, 2004 to 2007 is what locked me in as a fan. And those are those are like yeah. prime towers. That towers. That's that's the yeah. sludge merchant in uh, actually, in action. For better or worse, every that, one of those years yeah. involves sludge merchanting of some well, kind. Well, for better or worse, that was what got me interested in baseball again. Is I remember that was. Um, right around the time Petco opened, so I would I would fly down, and I, I went to a, a few games that summer, and I would go during the summer when I was home from college, um, and yeah, I was I was on the forums talking Padres baseball with Henry Silvestri is, and oh yeah yeah all those people on the yeah. San on San Diego forums, and so talking I, about finding a big bat, <laughs> big bat, walks Brian and dogs, Giles, Brian Giles walks and dogs, man. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Brian, yeah, Giles Brian Giles is a We gotta oh, find a man. big bat. I remember, I remember expressing disappointment, but like he's still good. He's still good. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but no, I was I was really into baseball again then. I used to go to to Giants games at AT and T Park, whatever it was SBC or Alpha Park, Bell Park, whatever, yeah. Pac Bell Park. Um, so I remember just going to games up there, and I was like the only person in left field wearing a Padres hat, and I was so excited about it, and that was. Yeah, about the I time I started feeling. I went again. to every Nationals game that played the Padres <laughs> from 2000, whenever it came back, 2005. Yeah, RFK. Oh. The, my whole time I lived there, I went to every Padres game. All wow. three, every year. That's pretty cool. The Padres had an incredible record, actually, at, in D.C. for their first, like, five years. They went, really? like, they went like 13-2 and two in D.C. S- wow. I mean, th- those were really, really bad Nationals teams. This is, like, it's like the Dimitri, Dimitri Young thing, is the best player yeah. in the All-Star with, like, you know, I forget. There's a lot of bad. Lasting There's a lot of bad players. In the, in, Brad was that, was Brad that Lasting Spillage? Uh, no, Lasting Thrillage. Thrillage. That was, uh, sorry, that was right in the. That's right in the, the wheelhouse <laughs> of that that era. It was like Brad Wilkerson. It was like oh, man. Chad Chief Cordero. John Lannon was the opening day starter. Matt Chico. Like there's a lot of terrible players, and so the Padres were so, a good oh, team at the time. It, it's weird and to dominated. think about. It's weird to think about the Nationals. A pre Nationals Park, and B pre. Guys like good. Strasburg yeah, and Scherzer. Yeah. This Pre-worth. is like when they 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 got like they <laughs> traded a bunch for Soriano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty five yeah. home runs and then couldn't trade him at the trade deadline and it was yeah. just a dysfunctional bad team because Jim Bowden was running it and <sighs> it was like aging Frank Robinson in the I forgot that Bowden <laughs> in the dugout like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like to consider myself an expert yeah, yeah. of that era of Nationals baseball. I, I can understand why, because yeah. it reminded me of Padres baseball. But I, that's what I was going to say. It's it's 
but it was also great, the, great at movie. the same time it was the glory years of the, in my in my view of the Padres yeah. and they'd come in and they'd dominate this crappy team and I could I could be proud that I was a Padres fan compared <laughs> to all these sad God, that's so fans sad. in a sad stadium <laughs> in, in a sad part of town like it was I was gonna say that's great. that's just sad in and of itself yeah very just a full thing of sadness oh, man. it'd be great I'd be walking through this decrepit RFK stadium yeah. maybe, I don't know four Padres fans maybe in the whole place. <laughs> Now that I know, one of them was probably like Major Garrett, and I probably slapped fives yeah. of them when I was walking to the Metro. Probably what? That's kind it of was, awesome. It was great days. And so I never had these super negative feelings about what yeah. Kevin Towers was doing. I mean, like, I just I just teamed out baseball during those years, to be totally honest. Um, I, it, I'll completely say I'm an opportunist, opportunist here. Um, I, I followed the Padres. Um, 96, 98, I would, I would go to every... Actually, up through 2005, because I was in college... I've been like every home playoff game. So that I used to skip high school to go to the 98 playoffs. And yeah, I, I took it. I took it for granted. Yeah. Basically. And um, yeah, bandwagon would be probably a good word. to explain. <laughs> Well, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, but like I, I used to go see green in, at AT&T park. Um, yeah. That was, that was absolutely crazy. I remember I used to go there and it was just, it was a completely different environment than it used to be like, the Padres are competing with it. Obviously, this is like pre-Giants mini dynasty. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was it was more of a... Bonds is performing really well. This team is really uneven. We're coming off the 2002 high. And now the Padres are kicking our ass. And yeah. It's super awesome to be the only person in left field rooting for the Padres and being very proud about it. And people are like shaking my hand after the game like... You guys did really good. <laughs> so, you got some good players on that, your team. That green... Well, I remember... Jake like, Peavy's like a... That, that was actually the first baseball game I went to with my wife. And she... she. I remember her going like, the Padres are good. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that's when you locked her up. I was like, honey, that's that's not that's not what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> You're watching a bad team. <laughs> I didn't get that. I, my, I took my wife to... I remember I took her to National Park. Or, or probably RFK. Oh, God. And I was like... We went there early because I wanted to watch batting practice. And oh, she yeah, was yeah. like, ooh, I like Matt Latos over there. <laughs> that was when she became a Padres fan. So this is a little I'm different. Trying. Matt she, Latos she wouldn't take pictures with, with females, though. So oh, well, he said it's his policy. So, oh, so okay. she was a little disappointed with that. But uh, outside of that, you know. Oh, what we know now. Yeah. I was going to well, say, Audra liked Khalil Green. Everyone So everyone. she liked Khalil Green, cause I, and I had long hair, too. And I was playing, I was playing club baseball at the time. And I had really long hair. And the guys on my team used to call me Khalil because I, I had long hair and from San Diego because baseball players aren't very clever. Um, so, yeah, she, she was like, oh, I see why you like him. I'm like, I have nothing in common with this guy. <laughs> He's very good at baseball. I have very long hair, and I, I smoke a lot of pot, and I look like Spicoli, <laughs> and that's about it. You probably struck out a lot like Khalil, right? I don't know. I'm not, I don't strike Contact out a lot. Contact okay. Yeah, I was actually the opposite in that regard. <laughs> I would I would make a lot of contact for no power. Yeah, punch um, and Judy slap. I mean, I mean, you, you've seen me. I, yeah. I weigh like 140 pounds. You don't look what. like a power hitter. No, you could use some clear. I think, I think I've hit like maybe two home runs ever. <laughs> but like, I played a decent shortstop, and I could apparently have long hair. That was about it. Um, we all have Kevin Towers to thank for that. Yeah. I'm so wistful. So, like you said, um, <laughs> now that we're a little older, right? We can look at a. Uh, I'll grab another one. Uh, <laughs> now that we're older, like you said, you can yeah. kind of look at it and say, you know, Morse kind of sucked. And him yeah. being such a cheapo is kind of why 
uh, towers fail at a lot of things. Yeah. Is it kind of sad that we are so much more aware of things like team finances and owner finances? Because I that's like a it. large reason why our eyes are open to this kind I, of I thing. I actually now. like it. I think I think it adds a new dynamic to that. You know, I mean, like we always we always talk about how Moore's cheaped out or or Fowler isn't spending, and, and we have access to these finances now. So we see like, oh, what are you not doing with this? Um, I actually kind of like it because it, it for ref- accountability or like, for accountability. Yeah, I think I think it's important for all of Marver's failings and being a dickhead. <laughs> he did kind of open a lot of people's no. eyes to to yeah. things. You know, is it this was I think his thing was post towers. It was the heart of Morad. It was, it was Morad. Um, Garfinkel. Uh, well, I, re- I remember me and him used to, to meet up at Pizza Port at Carlsbad. And he used to, I remember he was, he was screening that, the video for me. Yeah. And the big thing for him was just, I, I mean, you kind of see it reflected for everyone these days. It's just like, just spend money. Right. Like, for the love of God, just spend money. And I'm like, I don't necessarily disagree with it. Um, I figure if you have the money, you're bound to make some mistakes with it, but at least spend it. And I, I think we're all past problems. the idea of thinking, well, if we don't, because we were told this many times, probably yeah. by Moore's, definitely by Morad, mm-hmm. that uh, hey, you know, we're not spending now, but when it's time to compete, we're gonna we're gonna really pour yeah. all this money back into it, implying that they would take the you know the sixty million dollars of profit from two thousand nine, as if now what would have been. A forty million dollar payroll will now be a hundred million dollars yeah. because they're saving it and you know accruing interest. As, as if it's sat in a mutual bank instead yeah. of doing this out of the other. And I, I just think it's really funny too these days because it went from, um, you know, it, it went from like we spent this on international signings, we've done this, they're all going to be sitting back, and now like, the GM once he gets all these guys going, will be able to really spend on the impact players. And I'm like, well, the impact players that you've been talking about aren't really impact players. Um, I think that's really important to know. I mean, like, as much as I want, I want them to sign people because it would prove they're spending money. I also want them to prove that they spend money in an intelligent manner that actually makes sense towards building a championship team. I mean, uh, one of the big things we were talking about earlier is that Kevin Towers is able to do this on basically a shoestring budget and on one-year contracts. And granted, there's a different financial landscape now, but um, they're able to do all these things. And I think it's very important to understand, like. Back then, we had very little understanding of how these finances worked. And now it's like, yeah, I'm going to call BS on this. It, it makes no sense what you're saying. I know how much money you get from revenue sharing. I know how much money you get from the MLB Advanced Media. I know how much you get from this particular contract. And I know how much you get from the RSN. Right. And this is just absurd at this point. So I think it's kind of an important thing because it, it will help not create this kind of illusion that, for instance, what we're talking about with Towers that um, he was at fault for everything. Because he wasn't. He no, wasn't at all. and I think what we've learned now is that he was under incredible constraints. Unfair like, like constraints. Un- unbelievable, yeah. To him and to us, the fan base. Yeah. And he still found a way to succeed. Like, yeah. that's that's the kind of guy I want running running things. When there are, you know, it, when there are going to be constraints of. like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and even in his Diamondbacks years, which I yeah. think most people think are a failure... He went to the playoffs. He won the division 33% of the years. He, he ran the team, right? It's not bad. Um, it's more uh, than we could say now. Dave Stewart <laughs> so, you know, then ruined everything after that. But I mean, I, I, think you can, I think you could say that, I mean, kind of like what we were saying with Moores and Alderson and DePodesta and Fuson and um, Gaten and everything. Um, it's not just one person. It's a sum of all their parts. And the Diamondbacks did a terrible job of building a front office and a, and a front office philosophy. Yeah. 
and just basically like from baseball ops down it was just it was outdated um it made no sense to building a consistent winner and i feel like they they did a good job of obviously correcting this because they had some good pieces in place um i would argue a lot better than the padres did you know past that obviously because of morad but um yeah it's just kind of funny to look at it that way it's um yeah, Towers was not really the villain and all this. It was just really, you put him in a particular spot and it works or it doesn't work. And remember, the year before that, before he took that job, wasn't he with the Yankees? Special scout. Right? Yeah, special yeah, scout. Yeah, I special, mean, like so special advisor. I mean, it's not like it's not like he was under or you know like not valued at all within baseball. It's just he found a spot here and they just had the wrong combination of people. I mean, you could you could argue that there's good intentions and just the wrong set of people. Yeah. And that's, and not to lionize Towers, because like, obviously I, I, I think I, I think I said it today was that I wasn't always the biggest fan of Kevin Towers, the baseball general manager, but I mean, like, I don't think he was, he deserves this, the sort of scorn that he got for me, for me too. Yeah. I'm I, I to go like, back through the, sign on San Diego keeps archives, right? Can I go back to 2007 please, and please read don't. the post? Please don't. Because, or no, please don't, please don't 2009, check. 2009. Please don't check username fifth and Laurel <laughs> um, for anything, anything prior to 2012. But I, I, I wanted, I meant to go back on the on the yeah. G, on the like the Gaslamp Ball yeah comments. Like I wanted to see how happy people were, how pleased they were that the, that the team was moving in a different direction. Yeah. And sometimes people like change just for, oh, just yeah. for change sake. Um, but I, I would argue I was kind of in that boat. Yeah, I, I wanted. It, it I wanted to change. After fourteen years, yeah. you, you think something something better is on the horizon, and by then, yeah. like our window of contention had closed. Well, um, and, and there's and there's a good there's a good kind of um, parallel to that these days. Like I don't like the way the Padres talk about their budget these days. I think it's completely unrealistic. It makes no sense what they actually have, um, but they do have a budget, and it would be ridiculous to ignore that. And so I don't like the fact that they have a particular budget, and I don't like the fact that Eric Hosmer, for example, is, is like a, a rumored a free agent interest, um, how he fits into that budget. Do I think they should be able to operate outside of that budget and like more? Yeah, of course. And it's kind of the same thing with with Kevin Towers. It's, it's like Kevin Towers and all these other these other general managers. It's, I didn't like the way they operated, but. I have to kind of understand, I, I understood the, the budgetary constraints. So I wanted him gone because I didn't like the way he worked with Morad mm-hmm. because I knew Morad was going to cut payroll. Right. And so like, I remember I excused it as saying like, Oh, towers has got to go. But really it was more of a looking back on it. It should have been more of a towers does not work under this because he is a, he's a sludge merchant. He's the dumpster diver. He's the guy that brings in veterans and veterans are inherently more expensive in baseball. Um, so yeah, he was never going to succeed in that system, and so I kind of wanted but, him gone for that reason. But in retrospect, looking at this, you don't think he could have sludge merchanted his no, way into I, that's, a competitive that's the thing. Team? Is, in retrospect, yeah, I think he totally could. because I'm not sure Hoyer's plan could have worked with a forty to fifty no, million dollar MLB no, no. payroll because you have to hit on every draft pick that you have. He had a, he had a lot of success, I would say, and I think he'd be better suited to do that. But I don't think he did. And I don't think he was given an opportunity. I mean, he had, what, two years, three years? Yeah, and certainly he didn't have enough time to yeah, see. Yeah. But but if there's one thing Tower specialized in, it was building a pitching staff and a bullpen out of no money. Which is very um, important. Yeah. And I think you could turn those over even in those days. And then finding undervalued veterans in the field yeah. that... 
for on short-term contracts, you know, that Yeah. And that's the thing is I don't I don't know if I've really looked into what Tower's specialties were as far as identifying um, player value, but I mean like I, obviously everyone knows and it was like, kind of like a running joke on the forums and everywhere else is like, "Oh, Kevin Towers could find pitching value anywhere." Right. Especially bullpen um, arms. Yeah, bullpen especially. And, and then and then flip them for yeah for like, more I, bullpen arms exactly <laughs> flip them for more yeah. bullpen arms, um, and that, that was kind of my thing is he would he would he'd flip them at the height of their value and he would get the next up and comer and like they would never fail it seemed like, and obviously like that's probably not true but that's just <laughs> a, the legend of Kevin Towers, um, and so yeah it would be interesting to see how he could have handled that but I just don't think he was I, I kind of just thought he was. Morad had his thing. He had his budget set. He was going to cut payroll. Everyone knew it. And Kevin Towers could not hang. And that was, yeah. that was kind of my understanding of it. And I don't know if that's true these days. And I, maybe he could have. Maybe he couldn't have. I just knew he couldn't draft. At that point, it was it was a huge question for me if he could. And I think that's more where my interests were at the time. But like I said, like, time, we blamed but him. But the, didn't they no. keep Chief Gaten after? Didn't I Hoyer... Didn't Hoyer um, it sounds Take him right. On. I, it I, sound, I don't think it they, sounds right. They didn't. They didn't clean house when Towers. No, 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 they no. kept. Well, that, didn't they keep Fusan also? That, or that's no? something that. Yeah, that's that's like a running complaint I've had with the Padres is they never clean house. Um, they never have like a clean floss. It's the cl- the cleanest break that they've had is bringing in Preller because he actually has like quote unquote control of the baseball ops. Right. Which I mean I would argue is not necessarily true, but I'd say it's probably the cleanest break that they've ever had. So I'm not sure if they. Did I was wrong. That. They fired. So I don't know when Towers got fired. Midseason or not? But I can't remember. I probably went to Costa Rica in like February. So um, just just you know, just to drop that, that, just to drop that again. But God, uh, They they did fire. They fired. So so Hoyer was hired. He fired Fusan. Fire, and then they okay. they reassigned Chief Gaten to somewhere. But he's still he's still in the org though. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah, yeah. So you take the guy who is supposed to be in charge of the the draft, yeah. right, and keep him. Yeah. After you know a long and, and the, my thing with towers is, and you see it in companies sometimes where they're weak in one area and they're yeah. like, well, if we install this guy to run it, yeah, it's gonna fix it. And that's what they did with Towers. They they yeah. they took him out of it. They gave it to this well, other guy. The, and the joke they, we they said they the San Diego Forums was like. Oh, good. You've you've hired guys that are more qualified to do these particular things, and he gets to hire or he gets to trade for bullpen arms. Yeah, that was like the big joke. And in retrospect, I'm not sure if it was a joke. Uh, yeah, it seems pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, it I seems mean... kind of accurate. Which which I mean, like the fact that I laugh about it is kind of absurd because nowadays um, he might have been onto something. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, um. Oh man, yeah. It's it's just it's kind of the funny thing about looking looking back on this is that I I was completely ready to move on from him and understandably part of that had to do with Moore's and the direction the franchise was going but I I was done with him and then when he went with the Yankees I was like oh and I can't remember who said this I think it might have been um like Ben Lindbergh or something um in in that Sam Miller book was it's the the only rules it has to work yeah and they keep talking about the fact that um it's it's everyone wants to grow up to be Brian Cashman if you're you know like in New York mm-hmm. and like for me it was just always a um, well Brian Cashman has the largest payroll so it's like really easy for him right and so I figured when Kevin Towers went there it's like oh well he's just going there to like pad a resume type thing and maybe that's true but I mean you don't get hired by the Yankees for being bad at your job you get hired because you you have a specialty they can hire you're really good at it they can, they hire can choose anybody. anyone they want pay whatever they, they want any any they 
immeasurable resources right. as far as like finances or anything else. It's how the Dodgers have assembled like a dream team exactly. in the front office because yeah, they can yeah. pay more than other teams. It's a Rays fan, for... I know, better than most. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the thing is that I, I kind of laughed at it. This one like, oh, why would they want him? And I, I kind of made a joke. It was like, oh, they, they want him for bullpen management because I think they might have had a bad bullpen at the time. Um, and in retrospect, it's just like, he's just really good at his job. And the fact that he was able, and I think um, Chris said this, Sackman Chris said this, he said like, I, you basically are looking at a bunch of retrospectives from these people and like, he was a straight shooter. And it might have hurt him in free agency, it might have hurt him everywhere mm -hmm. else, but at least you knew what you were getting. And I think that might help in certain ways. Well, it's kind too. of a... It's kind of why everyone loves him, right? Yeah. Why everyone in the media had something positive everyone to say Everyone has a story today. about him. And it's... I think I responded to Chris where I said, it's interesting how perceptions change when you treat the media and the people that follow you as um, humans rather yeah. than threats. Because, you know, yeah. obviously I've, I've, I've written about it a lot, but the, the current team treats the media and, and people as threats. Yeah. They protect the information. They hide things. They're not trusted partners in this at all. I mean, I, th and I feel there's... And you see in the old days yeah. that, that you had towers, you know, in the back of the plane with media members playing cards and I, I feel like a, there's like a nice balance between those two like I'm, I'm obviously like I'm, I'm showing my my bias here but um I'm like I'm, I'm a big race fan so obviously if you've read anything Jonah Carey it's like you just don't mention anything right I don't I'm not necessarily a, a fan of that approach but I mean at the same time I feel like it's like a nice balance between the two and Kevin Towers was a nice counterbalance to that because at least you knew what he was talking about like you, you knew that kevin towers was kevin towers and you know when he said something it wasn't a line of bullshit right so i, I just i i do appreciate that and i, I feel I that i think that's why that. things like mike d were so jarring oh yeah totally to, to be lied to repeatedly well, that's, why, that's why people don't veiled. like sandy alderson walks and dongs right like no one likes like everyone jokes about it because he took a very cold calculated approach to it and this is completely different from Kevin Towers. And I'm not saying it's good or bad one way or the other, but you can't expect to go from one end of the spectrum to the other and not expect people to rebel against it. Yeah, it's also why I'm a little mixed on Ron Fowler. Because, yeah, totally. You know, a lot of people are like, well, Ron Fowler should just shut up. But he's actually <laughs> the only honest view we have into this organization. So I'm, I'm kind of on, on board with that. I, I, he's, he's, he's honest in that occasionally you get glimpses into that. But I feel like but he's that's all we're getting. selling it, Imagine it. this organization without Fowler, where okay, all you fair. have is Eric Gruppner, AJ Preller, and Andy Green as your public faces. Or how about like Seedlers? Seedlers, yeah, too. I mean, same, the same, yeah, they're same the same. idea. They're, yeah. they're, you're not getting anything out of them. That's you're fair. getting cliches, platitudes, uh, uh, generalities. Yeah, like Fowler, everything. at least there's a chance we get something honest and, and real, raw, yeah. unrehearsed. And so, I, mean, I think and part that's, of it that's was kind of what we got. On, let's be sure, honest. yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so. um, and yeah, and no, that's kind I, of what I we got with too. Towers back in the yeah. day, and I feel like that's um, it's not bad. Like no, I miss no, it. No, no, no. I miss it. I, I you do. hear like Jeff, Jeff Dotson talk a lot about it. Where yeah, he'll talk yeah. about the old days where you know Bochy would hang out with you in his office. Yeah. And he knew that you wouldn't Mention say today, certain yeah, things. Yeah, that's right. And those days are gone. I mean, especially under this Padres front. I don't know if it's the sports, sports in general. Like, there's got to be some straight shooter 
GMs yeah, out I there mean, still, but or like managers too. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure there are. I mean, like you always you always get to hear about the zaniness that is Joe Madden, um, which I'm kind of sick of to be totally honest. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel there's something to that. It's it. There's something to be said. I mean, there, there's one thing being completely friendly with the media and just kind of selling that and using it to kind of sell your agenda. There's another thing for just being like, well, they just seem like a straight shooter. This is honest. At least we know what they're talking about. And yeah, he might just want to hang back on the plane and play cards and drink a beer. That's totally fine. And he also might just want to talk about like, well, I I value this person because this person is not soft or like doesn't talk on their phone. They should be paying attention. Right. Like, I, I don't necessarily think you should trade a guy for that. But at the same time, there's something to be said to like, well, at least you know what he's getting at. Like, at least you know what his perspective is. And frankly, I, I think a lot of this mystery and everything behind closed doors is good for baseball in general because you have a lot more access these days. And like maybe people are trying to close it off a little bit. But yeah, this is he's, he's a good throwback to another era. Like there's a really good thing where like anytime around Kevin Towers, you're going to get a good story. Yeah. So like I, 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 I sat behind him one time and I'm like, what am I going to hear? And I heard good stories. Yeah. I've, uh, so. I told you before we started recording, like he yeah. lived in Lacadia, which yeah. is three miles from here. Yeah. Like I ate dinner there tonight. I didn't <laughs> yeah. run into, I'm so sad that I never ran into Kevin Towers. Like I'm, I, I go I to NCAA's Ale House all the time where of course Trevor Hoffman is in the midst of his you 80 just, beers You can just days. say that you're an 80 beers. I'm in the club. I'm on okay, the wall. Yeah. I would have posted you know, your picture everywhere. I'd but. like Kevin Towers <laughs> to join as well, but and yeah. he tried. He didn't have his true. You know, he didn't have the temerity to complete the the task. But I have a feeling Trevor Hoffman won't. Either, he had a but. job. That's what you want to say. <laughs> yeah, he does have a job. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't have a pregnant wife to drive him there uh, because oh, she couldn't right. drink like like I did. Lucky. Yeah, uh, but I'm really sad I didn't run into him somewhere. Yeah, Regal Siegel somewhere that I could have just. That's that's the thing is like I'm a beer. And, he is he is like. Arguably one of the more social baseball ops executives that you could possibly think. I can't think of another one. That like some guy. Like I'm trying to think through who's running teams now, and he's either he's the in guy. The, even in the manager position. Like I don't, I don't know that there's any left. No, like there's no one like that. And and, and that was the thing is like I. I saw him at a game and I was absolutely starstruck because it's Kevin Towers. And like, I was not even a fan at this point. Like he's, he's working with the Diamondbacks. I just kind of like this guy. Yeah. At the same time, like, I don't want to talk to him. He's, he's, that's Kevin Towers, you know? And he has this kind of legend with him. Um, Was he wearing a rain spooner shirt? I wish. (laughs) No, he, he's, he's long since bypassed his, his Hawaiian shirts, and now it was, I mean, you should have seen this, man. I wish I saw the photos, but it was just like matching everything. Nice. I mean, it matches skin, which matches watch, matches, matches <laughs> he's boots. Ima- I mean, he's a, an belts. immaculate man. He's, he's immaculate. I was looking at pictures of his house so today. Sad. It was like featured in some Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's immaculate. I, I, it's I looked through that. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. He's, it's got an eye for detail, that yeah. man. Took a two-bedroom, two-bath bungalow on the beach, turned it into a palace. <laughs> God. He's uh, just a legend. It's really all it comes down is, to. He is, yeah. He is. Uh, we I mean, learned like, that today. No, I mean, really, like everyone not, has not, a story. Not during the all... afternoon radio show. They were talking about football, football the entire yeah. thing. But, uh, you know, it's Super Bowl week. Yeah. So I've got three questions to close it out. I okay. uh, I pulled his trade history today. I, I, I highlighted a bunch of... 
I, I guess notable trades. Some of them, most of them are good. There's a few that are bad, but oh man, do you have a number one KT trade in mind? There are many good ones, and like to preface like a that, a lot of people. Um, I guess this is going off topic a little bit. One other response I got was that he inherited the '96 and '98 teams and shouldn't get full credit for assembly of those teams. Well, which I mean, might yeah. be true for 96, but I looked into 98 and you think back to that roster footprint on it. Yeah. yeah, he it doesn't they don't go to the World Series without uh Kevin Brown, Greg Vaughn. Well, that's that's my number uh, one. Those are my two my two right there. His, it, I was going to say But there's so many more. Like Vaughn like and Brown. Chris Gomez, uh Kilvio Veras, John Flaherty, Wally Joyner. Gomez is a, like an uh, under the radar guy, yeah. Well, he's steady. He was literally the worst player. I think he has the I think he has the second worst season at shortstop of he all does. time. But yeah. um, but for the purposes of 2008, he's like, like, he's like one of those guys. Flaherty yeah. had that 35 game hitting streak or whatever. I mean, like in that season. I mean, you say like Gomez is like one of the worst seasons. Steve Finley was awful and terrible. Yeah. Like people don't realize how bad. he But there's was. a reason they got rid of him Here. the next year. I, I was gonna say this needs to be an awareness on your podcast. Yeah. Steve Finley was awful in 98. Yes. And the fact that they got rid of him should not in any way reflect upon anyone in the organization. And the fact that he broke out the next couple of years, it was completely ridiculous. Right. Like, no one could have foreseen that. Especially given his previous three years. I think he was like, good 96. Eh. I, 97. Everyone was, like, in, was in 97. Moved. And then, yeah. 98 was like, off a cliff. He was like, I think he was one of the, uh, actually, and someone's going to hate me for this. Archie Sinfrock was the worst. <laughs> oh, that's mean. That was a, yeah, that was mean. There was no reason to do that. Oh, I'm just saying, like, I love Archie Sinfrock. He's one of the five the Padres the Padres bring out to his I, I now. like Archie Sinfrock. I'm just saying, like, I was surprised because I, I remember just, like, you watch video highlights and it's it's Steve Finley, Steve Finley, Steve Finley. It's like the same three catches. And well, it's like, and those were classic, the three highlights classic, from the like, whole year. Lost some speed, yeah. uh, took some poor routes, well, he was, but made up he for was it with a bad in center too, which is like the crazy thing if you look at defensive stats. Yeah. Which I mean, obviously, it, I had no concept of. Is it is it Edmonds that, that people said you know he would have circus catches, but it was because he was he would take he a like, poor route and recover. But the thing is, he still had crazy range. Like Steve yeah. Finley was like straight up bad that year. Just just like, you know ooh. to to get ooh. into it. Chills, chills. He was a, a less than. He had negative war in oh, yeah. He had negative 0. .2 war. 0.2? That's yeah. all He had nearly 700 at-bats and Oof. had a WRC plus 89. Well, only hit 14 home runs. And that's... When I joke about Sinfraka, like, I'm joking about it because, like, he had, like, what, like, 60 plate appearances? Something like that? Uh, like, he just had, yeah, like, a he, bad he a bit, 60. Yeah, he was a bit he had like He had, like, a really bad small sample. Yeah. Steve Finley... Had a full year and he was garbage. Ninety eight was the end of his. Well, wow, Harkey was yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Marcus Pond. <laughs> yes, yeah, he was Marcus. negative point nine. Yeah, in, but I mean, 80 like eighty plate appearances. Oh, he was 80, negative point nine. So, but I'm like, that's, what I'm saying is like that's just like a bad sample size. Right. Whereas Steve Finley was like that just is bad. almost seven hundred plate appearances of like bad, just garbage. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like that. That's the he and, did and, like, drive. I, he drove a sick Acura NSX though. <laughs> And he lived right there. I know, lived right there. Yeah. Came to the Padres the, store in oh Encinitas, and forgot. To, and he painted his house a different color because he didn't like the. You heard about that story? No, right? I didn't hear about that. He painted his house like this insane. I think it was green. I want to say it was green or yellow or something. But it was just like it was right down there off Del Mar, like yeah. right on that little like strip right there. And he painted it some like insane color, just a super bright color, because they said 
well, you can't paint it the color you want. So he's like, what's the most obscene color to paint it? I'm painting it that. That's worth at least one war. I think that's at least one, maybe two. So, Uh, I mean, like, again, I did not remember he was that bad, and I feel bad researching it. So bad. Because he's a legend in my eyes. He's he's still a legend. He's still a legend. You know, you do live by uh, where Chris Gomez lived as well. I assume you know that as well. I live by a bunch of... uh, Dave Roberts lives up the street from where Anthony's Ranch. I don't know if he still lives there. Chris Gomez literally lived like a tenth of a mile from you. It was like ranch or? It was before the ranch was built. He lived uh, towards a Leaving Hunt Pioneer School. That's right. He, that's right. he was, was like Santa Fe Trails. Like yeah, I talked, to, I talked to him about it at FanFest. I told oh. him how all the Lacosta kids knew where Chris Gomez lived. But. That's right. Well, we, we in my in my day, it was uh, which is a, which it was, was also Hoppus a subtle humble, humble brag on, on your so. part as well. I was going to say, Mark Hoffus lived up there. so We knew him. He lives in Los Angeles now because he hates us. And Chris Gomez moved to uh, Anaheim, I think. So, so they all he move, hates man. us as well. Yeah. Everyone hates us. Uh, well, not Kevin Towers. He lived mm-hmm. in Lacadia, so because um, he's a gorgeous human being. Yeah. So your favorite uh, KT trade? I mean, there really many. have to ask me. Well, is it Kevin Brown? It's Kevin, well, it's Brown. Kevin Brown. Okay. Kevin Brown was the reason. I mean, like I, I I'm not just saying this. I, I actually had stopped being interested in baseball, and I. I mean, like, I, I used to throw, like, junk. If you ask anyone I ever played against, it was like, oh, that's the guy that threw the curveball, like, 90% of the time. Yeah. Because he was 120 pounds, six foot two, and couldn't throw a fastball. And I actually, like, learned how to throw a lot harder because I liked Kevin Brown a lot. And I did, like, a whole trunk twist and everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I, I loved Kevin Brown. So it was him. And actually, like, ironically, because I, I hated, during the 98 home run chase thing, I, I absolutely hated hated home runs i hated everything to do with it had nothing to do with steroids i just i was a pitcher so i just didn't like it and i loved greg vaughn greg vaughn was like so everyone talks about trevor in 98 and i remembered being like oh trevor got snubbed for the the cy young Young. and i was like no i really he was like maybe my fourth or fifth favorite player on that team well, that, was, that's so sad. It actually went beyond that. Bad. It was like ugh, Kevin Brown stole his votes. Like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, they I split I the vote. Straight cause... up said that. I, 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 I could tell you without a doubt that I said that Kevin Brown hurt Trevor Hoffman's chance of winning the Cy Young. And when when Kevin Brown went to Los Angeles, I remember uh, actually lives right across the street here, um, right up um, the street. Um, I actually did a voodoo doll with my my buddy Matt. Oh, you were we, one of them. Burned, we burned we burned Kevin did Brown's right arm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We actually no, it's it's so bad. So he went to go clean out his house maybe like three years ago, and there's still a plastic bag with this thing in it. It's like yeah. moldy and disgusting. But yeah, like I loved Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown was like one of my favorite players. And then oddly, even though I hated home run hitters, I loved Greg Vaughn. Those the two ones, um, and actually. I mean, like, I don't know who else, who else you could... He got Greg Vaughn for Ron Villone. I, I mean, like, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. That's, that's Greg like, Vaughn wasn't... That is, that is it, a top... That's not even a sludge thing. merchant thing. Like, Greg Vaughn no, was a proven... No, he was a good hitter. hitter by then. He was a, a good a hitter. proven slugger. I mean, that, like, do you credit him with that? Or do you say, like, this other guy made a huge mistake? You know, you gotta... You gotta, I mean, you gotta like, convince someone to I'll make give, the deal, right? That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I'm surprised you picked that over when he traded Sean Mulligan for a treadmill. I thought that would be. I thought that was you know, a possibility. I, I saw that earlier today, and I, I was gonna say like anything. Didn't he do another one for like, not like a bag of balls and like money, right? 
I, that's the only one I'm aware of. But um, that's the only one. Okay, maybe that's just like a. He had one. a lot of interesting traits. So I mean, yours. Those is are my obvi- two favorite. Yours is the obvious one, and, and well, it's because like ninety. It, it took us to the World Series. You know, we wouldn't yeah. have Petco Park without him. And and then also, I think you and I both dug into this on Twitter, but uh, he literally had like twenty plus more WAR than Tony Gwynn had, and lasted on the Hall of Fame ballot for like a year or two yeah. before falling off completely. Like he has more, he has more war than anyone that got inducted this year, including Chipper Jones. He's, he's in the like mid to high eighties for war. Yeah. And he couldn't even last on the ballot. And I looked through his, because when he, from, from my standpoint, I remember he got on the scene when he was on the Marlins and they yeah. won the world series yeah. with him. And that's what kind of people realize who he was. But he threw up six war years before. Have, them, you, the have you like, have you read that Verducci article on him? No, it's, fascinating so he um he basically he was a standout high school athlete didn't do anything like he he basically uh, so the craziest thing so he apparently when he was pitching he would not know to put his foot in front of the mound he would put his foot flat on it and push off flat off the mound yeah so imagine putting your foot on the rubber and trying to push and get any momentum right so he had no idea and uh, i want to say chemical engineer he was a chemical engineer or something like that um for like a local plant and he he was invited to play a um just kind of like a weekend series and a scout saw him for the Mets and they're like uh yeah you should you should come try out and he basically did so and he said no nah, I'm 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 in Georgia Tech I'm I'm going to do this this school thing I'm going to do this whole thing for chemical engineering um and during that he went from that from nothing not a blip on the radar to fourth overall pick yeah that's crazy to me. So, like, he's just like, an insane story to begin with. Um, and, yeah, like, Texas, everything else. And he never took instruction, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, complete opposite of me as a human being, which is kind of why I like him. <laughs> I, I saw him. I, I kind of like him as a that, legend. Whatever the last 98 reunion thing they the, had the, when he came to The Pekka, one in but, 2013? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, He was jacked. He's, oh, him I, and I, Greg, I Greg Vaughn is very jacked as well, but Kevin Brown was jacked. Like, Kevin Brown is, I, I think he's about the same height as me. Maybe maybe he's a little bit shorter. Isn't he like 6'6"? He's really that short? Uh, sorry, Greg Vaughn is what I meant. Greg Vaughn is Greg like Vaughn about is the that, same. Yeah, he's he's like six, six foot, 6'2". Six he's like right around my same height. And I was like, the guy is jacked, but like he's around my height. It's not that impressive. But like Kevin Brown, I looked at him like, I, I don't want to be within 30 feet of him. No. Like he, might, he might kill me. It says his playing weight was six four two twenty. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's bigger than me. But like my my favorite thing is they have a pic. I think it was like Marty Caswell had a had a video. She interviewed him. Um, I think it was Tony Gwynn and then Ben Davis. So like the dream team in my yeah. opinion. Um, but she's interviewing Brown, and they must have put him in like a kid's shirt. Like it it is it's seriously like the jersey does not fit him. Everyone else is like, oh, it's like an adult and. In like an oversized jersey, and Kevin Brown is like in a full-on, like kids jersey. Yeah, it's absurd. He's 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 not. Well, he probably didn't want to wait in line at the jersey exchange out at the park. At the it park, might so. actually be his jersey from '98. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like swollen. It. God, he's no. so good. But that's what I'm saying is like I that, that he's one of those guys that like I I had almost lost interest in baseball, and he brought me back. I think that's why I liked him so much. Is that like he. He embodied everything that I wasn't as a pitcher and a baseball player. So, like, he threw heat. That's not me. Um, I just threw junk. And then, like, he had just extreme movement, which I liked because he was he was kind of Maddox, but then he was overpowering, not like Maddox. Um, yeah, he's just, he's just amazing, man. He's amazing. 
He's the. I mean, he's he, without a doubt had the best season of any player in Padres history. I mean, like um, it's it's and arguably one of the greatest pitching seasons in history. The period best playoff performance, right? Well, I mean, like everyone wants yeah. to like, talk about like Garvey's playoff performance got him a Hall of like. That one playoff start should get Kevin Brown a playoff. Well, or, uh, Kevin Brown should also be. Fair enough, fair enough. Also, you know, a KT. I have that highlighted there here you go. As, a, as a major KT I like that one. For, Which other um, ones do you have? Uh, I've got... So these are just notable ones, but um, I, I consider Jim Leyritz. I was going to say yep. that's a good one. Yeah. When well, I, I, listing, I remember When that. I was listing 2008 players that he acquired, I mean, Jim Leyritz won a game... 98... In the play, won yeah, yeah. two games in the playoffs. I forget, but he was incredibly clutch in the playoffs yeah. for the Padres. Well, he though. was he was King Laritz. Uh, yeah, you know he got another to, garbage human. Yeah, garbage. Well, super. you know he's trying to redeem himself uh, he, by by searching for his own name on Twitter. Yeah, and quite a bit, yes. Uh, yeah. You know, but like Dan Maselli, Donnie Wall, those are like classic mm. um, KT sludge merchanting. Um, he got Woody Williams. Well, actually, this was uh, after 98, but he got Woody Williams. He traded Joey Hamilton when Joey Hamilton had nothing left. Nothing left, um, yeah. He, he, you know, let's not, traded let's, Greg Vaughn. Let's not talk Greg, about that. Greg Vaughn was done. He was done by then. Let's Reggie Sanders was that. good. Reggie Sanders was fine. As a, as a Rays fan, let's not talk um, about that. Obviously, the, the classic sludge merchanting, sludge merchanting trade is when he traded Andy Sheets for Phil Nevin. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, and Phil Nevin was not nothing. Like he was the number one overall. He's a one-one I mean, like, draft pick. Oh yeah, Cal State Fullerton. I was gonna say like, the, the big the big one here is obviously gonna be like Chris Young and yeah, and that's highlighted. That's like course, like but. that's like I don't even want to mention that. It's like it's just a big one. Yeah, um, it's a, it's an obvious. Uh, I, I found I, this trade uh, like Adam um, Eaton. I'm sorry, but like just looking back on Adam Eaton is just mind blowing to me that that was like. That was the guy. Yeah, the focal yeah. point of that trade. That's insane to me. Uh, I liked this um, trade series. Where, oh my gosh! So that, Josh that was... Barfield, you know, he's a footnote. By, but at by, the time, by the way, Josh Barfield to me, he's not a footnote. <laughs> Josh Barfield was like, yeah, he I was, was, I was a... my brother and I were both second basemen. I love Josh. What Barfield. was he? A second round draft pick? Like he was a, he was a high he was a, draft, he was a high pick. draft pick, but he had that one one good, season where the one that good we could dream season. on. And yeah, he was yeah. he, not only that he was a high draft pick, he was a rated prospect before yeah. then. Well, and then he actually produced at the major league level. Exactly. He had like twenty home runs. You know, fielded okay, had the pedigree. Exactly. Um, and, and we he had, were all he had excited. His dad, he had his, he had his brother. And then he fell off a cliff, and KT was still well, able was, to what's trade funny him. Funny is that he traded him, and then and the big thing is like everyone was bummed because it was Josh Barfield, and it was it's kind of like your prospect um, obsession you have today. Yeah. But the big difference was that like back then it wasn't as well publicized so kevin kuzminoff was the guy that got and kevin kuzminoff was the guy that hit a grand that's slam that's all we knew about him he his, hit a grand slam in his first, first at bat first, first, first pitch, game yeah his first pitch right that he saw, for right? the indians and like i remember my dad sending me a text message he's like oh my god they got this guy and i'm like that's one at bat like, <laughs> like it's one <laughs> yeah, at bat so good and it's like it's josh barfield my brother my brother who's uh he played college ball as a second baseman is like they traded their best second baseman however I'm like, oh, but he's so good that, that they par- had to park the savior in, I outfield, know, right? in the outfield. But so the interesting part I, to me was not just the Kuzminov part. They yeah, got it's, Andrew it's, Brown, it's Brown, yeah, who, if I recall, was like a really tall relief pitcher. And then uh, in the midst of the 2007 playoff race, uh, KT was able to flip Andrew Brown for Milton Bradley and Milton Cash. Bradley. That was and it. Cash. That was it. I was trying to remember what he flipped him. Oh, I forgot about so that. So he turned this busted prospect. 
um, into into never did arguably what would yeah. have been the um, the final piece. He was the final piece of the 2007 team. And oh, now, now I'm remembering Milton Bradley. And kept Kuzminov in the whole <laughs> yeah. deal, you know? Man. So, um, so that actually brings us to our second. Well, actually, my other favorite trade that he made is Le- uh, he acquired Scott Harrison for Leo Rosales. That's a good one. Because um, I one. love Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison ties one of my into my, my second question for you, well, which is had 2007 gone differently, uh, let's say. Mike Cameron hadn't had his foot stepped on. Milton Bradley had not been body slammed. Um, do you think KT would have been fired in 2009? Because that was a team that was built to go deep in the playoffs. And um, hmm. I think I think it was. I think that was the best of the four years. Oh, there, oh definitely. Of the definitely. golden era of Padres No, no, I, I, think that, I think that 2007 was like, like I, like I said earlier, it was um, you got rid of a manager and brought in someone else to put them over the hump. Like that that's the impression I got right. anyway. It, it's kind of a football analogy. I mean, it is a football yeah, reference it, here. It really is. It, yeah. It's when they fired Marty Schottenheimer and brought in North Turner. Because <laughs> yeah. Marty couldn't do it in the in the playoffs. Yeah. And they brought in Norv and Norv actually advanced in the playoffs in his first year. They bring in Buddy Black, he gets them I actually think that that was the way it was framed in general. Probably to be to be honest. I mean, like I might be remembering that a little bit differently, but I, I think that was one of the reasons I liked it was that like Bochi just could not hack it. Like that he, was the belief, right? It was yeah, that, yeah. and and we thought on the forums and whatever that he yeah, didn't yeah, play yeah. the young players. And yeah, I mean, like totally erroneous, right? I mean, like absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, I think that was kind of how it was played out. And that wow, I, that's kind of crazy to think of. But uh, I, I don't personally. <laughs> I don't think KT gets fired if they make it to the no. if they really get deep in the playoffs. I don't think you you fire him. Two no, I years think later. I think he's I think he's here for a couple of years. And and that's that. a that's he's if earned you think himself, back to that huh? year. That's the year well, about the Sabian. Rockies won. Think think about Sabian for yeah. example. Like Sabian was on the brink of being. He's on the brink of being let go. I mean, like I, go look at the the Giants blogs at that point. They're like, it's it's all a joke. Like they they hate the guy. Yeah. And then like he he wins the World Series and they're like. Well, we're renaming it after him. <laughs> so um, I, I, that's kind of how I feel about about Towers. Is that like he, if he d- does something that year, a he's not gone, and b like I think that we're completely singing a different tune here. Well, this is a case where he actually did what was needed at the yeah, deadline. Yeah. You know, he acquired Milton Bradley. He acquired uh, Michael Barrett. That, that was a big. That for was a nothing. Big, well, Michael, and that's the funniest thing is like for every, Kyler Burke. Everyone remembers. Um, yeah, for Kyler Burke. God. And I remember, like, Perry, at that Buddy, point, Buddy was Reed for really another good. generation. Yeah, I mean, like, when the funny thing about that year was that, I mean, like, we all remember it as like, you know, like the the, the holiday missed tag or whatever, like that. Um, it's it really comes down to like that. That was two players that he brought in that basically solidified an appearance in the playoffs. And the reason I think it was so depressing is that he finally got those two pieces, and then the reliables let him down right trevor it's like trevor let him down twice and so that's kind of crazy to me and like i remember i was i was at work at my at my old job and i remember i stayed i stayed like three hours beyond that to like watch it on game day mm-hmm. i'm listening on on audio too i remember just like adrian gets that big hit and then it just like it keeps going downhill after that it's like you have the high and then the low yeah it's like every well, single and, time and so you think about it the pieces that he acquired are, yeah. are Scott Harrison, Michael Barrett, Milton Bradley. So let's say history Man. is different, right? Scott yeah. Harrison hits well, that. That's Harrison at his. Harrison hits that home run yeah. in game 163. Uh, 
Milton Bradley basically gets them to that point by single-handedly carrying the offense through oh, the he whole was, end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Scott, Her- let's say Scott Harrison hits that home run, Trevor saves the game. He doesn't blow it. Yeah. Um, you look at it later and you say, "Wow, KT got the got the critical parts yeah, of that it's, club." It's, re- it's really looked at, at the as deadline. like it's really looked at as like For Trevor blew that one game, or like Bud Black well, blew, blew the other, out his blew knee. the other game also. But well, yeah, um, he blew. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Blew, but, blew like, a few games. but like, <laughs> but it's like it's like Bud Black blew out. Milton Bradley's name or Mike Winters or whatever. Um, yeah, it's like all these other failures, but it's really like KT put them in a position where like they probably should not have been there, to be honest. Yeah. And like that's, it's, it's so crazy and, and looking at the standings too. The standings, like looking at the standings is even more depressing because it's like it's his third. Yeah. And you're like, that's not what it felt like. And so it's like the same as 2010. It's like, that's not what it feels like. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like he put them in a position that year of any year to like really succeed. And like, like you said, I feel like that was the year of the 2004 to 2007. That was like the peak. And that, I think that's why it like, it kind of defines the way we view him is that it was the greatest letdown. And that's but, but super for no unfair. fault of him, that's, he did everything he, he could possibly yeah, do that year. He, he didn't at. settle for Joe Randa at the deadline, oh, and, and but we had to blame someone because KT went on the radio, I'm sure, and and you know yeah. probably took the bullets at the time. And he's a really honest, good yeah, dude. That was so, his thing. So yeah. we, you know, we blame Buddy and we blame him, uh, and and that's how history wrote it. But I, that's my yeah. most interesting Padres. What if? Like no I, no that's actually like I didn't even think you of ever watch Mr Destiny, <laughs> no, James Belushi. No. It's this uh, it's baseball themed. You should watch it. Oh, I should. Uh, it, okay. The story is that if it, it, he played little league and had he oh, wait, hit, wait, yeah, yeah. Had I, he hit a home run, yeah, 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 he yeah. would have married Renee Russo and been gotcha. super rich. But he didn't, so he's and they do this. Um, I forget who it is. It's like Michael um, Michael Caine, I think, is the angel or whatever, and he does this. Caine. Vis- I think it's Michael Caine. I can't remember. I'll have to check. It's someone British, someone old and British, <laughs> someone old and British, and popular, in the, early, popular in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. uh, but he does this Mike thing where Kane. he points and he makes dots okay. of a timeline, and then he circles one and says, "This is the key point." And then there's diverting timelines. And yeah, yeah. for me, the Padres' history is at that point where, yeah. where you know, there are obviously a few factors that could have changed it, but but to me, KT at least buys himself. Well, deeper into the more well, ideas. Think, yeah, oh, I was going to say, like, deeper in the more ideas, like, think about it from Moore's standpoint. If he doesn't fail at that point... He might not just, sell. Well, well, it's just his failure. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Like, it's not full turnover. It's, I, I was the one that failed. I, I was the one that did this wrong. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird to think of. And, frankly, like, I don't know if it's better or worse because maybe you don't have... Hoyer in between, maybe to have Burns in between, but yeah. at the same time, you, yeah, Preller at the same time. <laughs> well, I, so so that's my last question is uh, what I'm calling the Padres' golden era of 2004 to 2007. Yeah, is that is that what our best case Preller era is? I mean, uh, like four uh, years sustained success of making the playoffs and 
you know, yeah. I I actually buy Billy Bean's thing of you make the playoffs and it's, it's somewhat chance crap at shoot. that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's things that influence it, but it's largely a crapshoot. So you want to get into the you want to get yeah. into the tournament. I mean, I I don't have a problem with that Is, perspective anyway because like, that's that's a better peak than the Pirates had in their window no, of contention. I mean like here's here's my thing is I don't have a problem with that perspective because like the Padres have been so bad for so long that I don't I don't have an issue with them just making the playoffs and just being one and out or three and out or whatever it might be. That's um, why I'm a defender of the 82 8. Yeah, I, I don't have you know? a problem with it. Like, you know what I would give for that? To like I, these days? That's I I'm I'm the exact same way. And so I mean like I used to I used to crap on that just saying like oh this is this is ridiculous. But at the same time it's like the next year you have the Cardinals going the whole way, um, basically the ex- exact same record. Um, I don't know, man. I I uh, I don't I don't have any. <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, I I, I just don't have any confidence one way or the other in that. I I don't think that this is. Well, let me put it this way: Do you think the fan base would be happy if, let's say, from two thousand? 20 to 2020, 2021, 20, 2023, that they make the playoffs twice. Let's say make the playoffs well, three also, times. You're also considering two he's, divisions. He's been in since what? Probably been in since 2014? Yes. That's a long, long time. That's eight years. Yeah. that's six. That Let's say that's six years until he I makes mean, the like playoffs that, in That to me is way too long of a time. Um, I, I think he's getting a pretty long leash to begin with, but I, I just don't think that you can really rely on these these minor draft picks. I, I think that at this point, you have to kind of consider, like, he hasn't done much with the, the Major League roster. He doesn't understand much of the Major League roster. And he's really depending on the really low levels. So if you're going to do that, you kind of have to succeed. Well, you know, in putting it in KT terms, he's counting on that 2002 yeah, seven yeah, yeah. prospects in the top 100 to pan out. And be the core of the 2004 entering into Peck team. Fair, fair enough. And you start putting that team into the, you project those players into that starting lineup, yeah, and they're yeah. not going to win 87 or 89 no, no, no. games or whatever. No. And so that's kind of what my that's my ending thought of yeah, yeah. examining KT today was yeah. like, it made me think a lot more that uh, you need other components than just yeah. uh, your prospects. Or, yeah. or maybe not that you need it, but that it's a valid path. Well, I mean, like I th- like it's a we, valid path to trade Oliver Perez we, and Jason Bay. For, we we talked uh, we we talked a lot about like KT and, and Preller, but like really, I, I I honestly think that like you can look at the National League West and you can look at Sabian. Like Sabian traded off all these people for like kind of like not end of career type guys, but like role players that were. I mean, granted, he's he's building this around like Buster Posey and other. Core, you know, you, you core need a guys. core. You, know? you, you need a core. Two thousand four, like, we had Khalil Green. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not going to like to absolutely ignore these these core players are coming up like Madison Bumgarner and all these other people. Like you, for better or worse, Barry Zito was a major influence on on a particular World Series, and he was a drain otherwise. Um, you have to be able to spend these kind of things, but. I, I just don't know. I, I, I think that you, we've given a lot of a lot of leeway for Preller, and Preller gets a lot of a lot of rope where KT wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, right. 
I, I feel like KT would immediately be shut down. For, I, I feel like he was shut down for this um, post-2004, 2005, um, when all these other guys came in. I feel like Preller's just been given just like free reign of everything to basically he has as much as much rope as you could possibly get. Right. They've given him full full power to fail. Yeah, and I mean, I, at this point, I, I feel he's had full power to fail, and he's failed already once. And, I mean, like, that's not... That's, that's not, not necessarily like bad. I'm, also, I'm, it's not it's, a slight. Like, it, it could be, like, a learning experience, but... And he's built up a top farm system in the process after dismantling a top farm system. Um, so I don't necessarily think that's, like, a bad thing, but at the same time, it's like... I, I feel like he's been giving a lot more... A lot more rope than KT was ever given. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah. I think that's one of the lessons. Is yeah, it, and it's not it's not necessarily saying that the current path is wrong or will will fail. Yeah, exactly. But it can fail. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I'm, 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 not, I'm not a preller hater. Historically, I'm not either. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think I think this is the best we could do, right? Yeah. But well, I mean, but like, historically, my, you look at yeah. this, and we've had 2002 and 2010, which were top rated yeah. farm systems, and I think. Now we can say that those players in those farm systems weren't going to be weren't enough. Well, I, there I, are contributors. You know, Jake I think Peavy there's a good. That, I think there's but. a good thing to say about like 2004 has top prospects in a top farm system. I mean, like they're they're top 20, top 25, and then like 2010 was depth, and sure. they're like this is top prospects. Yeah, different. Again. Yeah, there's obviously so different weighting. I feel like I feel like we have to judge this sort of the same way. Um, so possibly he could do the same thing, but I feel like a lot of weight has been put on maybe like two or three prospects to kind of carry the whole system and carry the whole philosophy, to be honest. And like that's, that's kind of terrifying, to be totally honest. Um, I feel like, and, and one of the, big, the good things about KT was that he, despite not having like a great scouting system, or if we were to believe that, um, he built up a top farm system and then he did one to two year contracts, couple couple bigger ones, and he was able to to shift a couple other ones to make a contender. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily sure that our current GM can do that. To be totally honest, and not that I have like you know a, a lack of. Um, I mean, like Preller's a good he's a good judge of of. Uh, Amateur talent, or like... I mean, like I wouldn't even say like amateur talent. I I would say like he he's a good judge of talent in general. I just I I don't know that he can he can parse that with that and and contracts. I just don't know if he's 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 able to do both of them. And I think that KT was able to do both of them, which is kind of like a weird thing to say. Yeah, I, I don't disagree though. <laughs> yeah, I mean like KT was able to do both of these things and do them seamlessly, whereas. Preller, I feel like he's been given a chance. I feel like he needs a second one, and he's gotten it. I mean, he's he's got he's gotten like two or three. He'll probably get a third. Yeah, he's got plenty of chances. Kind of terrifying to think of. He'll get an infinite number of chances. (laughs) I look. I mean, you didn't hear Alderson giving Towers just an endless, uh, endless pats on the back. No, no, you know, Um, no. Like, if anything, it was kind of a contentious front office. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like this. This to me, it was like, like Towers had to continually prove himself. Yeah. Yeah. And like this to me is like a, he's a good amateur talent scout, and I don't know if he's good at the other one because he hasn't proven it yet. 
And frankly, like, I don't think his, his history of signing any free agent is really helping this. Well, if you really want to be honest, his history of signing international players is not particularly fruitful. No, no, no. I mean, like, um, his, that's, that's more the, of a numbers game. Sure. But yeah, yeah. even with the numbers, his history with the Rangers is not gl- glowing. You know? No, and that's, that's his, his biggest saying, success really. is Martin Perez, who's an okay, he's okay starter, yeah. which t- he also took a very long time to develop and to get where he is today. Um, yeah. You've got Mazzara, who may not be a starter. So you know, I, I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to be anti-Preller. Oh, no, with this. I, guess I think for to me, the more interesting point was that KT was able to succeed without it. You know, yeah, yeah. he he took Absolutely. parts from it. he took parts from it. And, and if you look at the two, um, I, I have the 2002 BA Top 100. Oh, man. The only player that, that panned out was Peavy. Who, I was going to say, that's going to be really depressing to look at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know who wrote this back then, but uh, ironically Goldstein? they said... I think it's Goldstein. Is it? Right? His, well, stuff, he... his stuff is merely good for Jake Peavy, but his results are overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's the only one, and the, and he was great. He's the best case, and oh, the yeah. team was able to succeed with just pulling one successful prospect out of it, which is... That's disturbing. Disturbing, <laughs> but, but also amazing. It, it, it's, I mean, like, that's the thing, is that I think kind of the Kevin Towers' lesson here is that he, he was able to get success out of absolutely nothing. I mean, like, he was given nothing, to be totally honest. He was given a small market team, as, as they defined it, um, small, market, small market team, limited budget, limited scouting department, limited pro scouting department. He, he actually created four straight seasons of winners. The golden era. I golden mean, like, era. it's, it's, it's a golden era. I mean, like, that's kind of crazy to me is that he, he did all these things with all these limitations and... We're complaining about AJ Preller doing all these things with. Oh man, it's really depressing actually to not think about it. Well, you know, not to close on a on a negative note. I mean, I think what we're learning is KT was, you know, on a day where everyone is is remembering how great, yeah. how, you know, how great of a guy he was. I think that it's fair to say that he was a on the on a technical level a yeah. successful GM that brought us fans arguably the greatest Padres teams in history and if not the greatest era of winning in history. Yeah. And so I think for me, we all agree he's a nice guy and everyone liked yeah. him and he threw great parties and he seems like a man, like just the ultimate man and I wish I was pals with him. But but on I top mean, of like that... It's an 80, 80, an 80. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's he, he didn't have what it takes. It's okay. Not everyone does. <laughs> but, uh, <sighs> you know... I, I, I miss him. I miss him. Uh, no, I'll I, put it that I'll, way. I'll miss him. I, to be totally honest, like, he's, he's... All the stories that have been told about him seem to be completely true, and everything that I've I've experienced with him have been basically proven true as well. He just seems like a really good guy, and I don't think that I could say that he was untruthful in every, anything that he said. So... No. There's more than you can say about most of the baseball executives out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really sad, but at the same time, yeah, he's kind of a Encinitas Lucadia legend. Of course. And you really should have hung out with him more. I know. I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. Well, maybe if he had the had the backbone to drink eighty yeah. beers in eighty days, I would have seen him a lot more in the house. But 
She hung out with him more in spring <sighs> training, too. I know. Instead, I, know. I got stuck sitting with Omar Minaya one time. Oh, no, I did but... that, too. It's not fun. No, he's a... Ugh. He's just a bore. Yeah, he's a bore. <laughs> Please don't listen to this, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is a, a mega episode, but uh, hopefully it was an enjoyable non-Marver episode. There was minimal Marver hogging the microphone. There was... Uh, no, no hum- humble brags about his statistical knowledge. There was uh, no, no picking <laughs> fights that don't need to be picked. It was, uh, it was delightful, delightful. Wait, does Marver do that? <laughs> Who knew? I don't know. I don't know. If he's... Not everyone loved him on the on Padres Twitter. He's I do love very him. pleasant. <laughs> Someone's got to stick up for Jose Rondon and oh, that's true. David that's true. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you coming over to uh, Jagoff Manor to tape this here in the studio. Uh, it, was, it was a really, really long one point eight mile commute. <laughs> it's not that far. I've run, I've run to your house it's, before. It's a lot shorter it's true. than that. But uh, yeah, it's good discussing Padres baseball, not at a uh, child's birthday party. So this is <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, it's so good to hear. Thanks for coming by. I'm sure we can do this again. Yeah, since you live right there and we live down the street. And, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, so this is uh, another edition of uh, the Intelligence Podcast. Go Padres. Go Padres.